You're listening to an Irreverent Podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends. Hi, friends. Sarah here with a brief disclaimer. You are listening to a podcast about making space for other people as well as for yourself, which may mean that you're going to hear language and ideas and thoughts, not just about life, but about faith that are different than your own. My hope is that you will listen to this podcast with an attitude of space making, being able to hear things that are different from what you may interpret the world to be. It also may be different than how the hosts feel about the world. But again, we are working together to make a little bit more space for each other. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Making Spaces, a podcast about making space both literally and figuratively for yourself and others. I am Sarah, and this is Josie. Josie, how are you? I think it's funny that we just hit record because we've been talking for like an hour, but how are you doing? Um, I've been pretty, pretty good. My dog is my dog. She's been keeping me company, even though she's a bitch, but it's fine. I mean, technically, um, female dogs are, so. Yeah, she's mean. Everybody keeps asking me, like all my nieces and nephews, like, when are you going to bring the dog? And I was like, she's really mean. She's going to bite you. <laughs> oh, no. is she? Does she bark a lot? She doesn't bark, but Ryan's parents um, came over, and his stepdad was like, he's really good with dogs, so it wasn't that big of a deal. He was, like, kind of pushing her too far, and she bit him a couple times. Oh, no. Yeah, because, you know. And it's not, she's a little, so it's just like a warning bite, which I mean, he gets, I get, it's fine. And he understood the, what he was doing, but yeah, she, cause we did the whole, give him treats and then she'll be okay with you. But then he tried to like be too petty and into her or whatever. And then she doesn't, she just wants the food. She needs to feel comfortable, whatever. So she's just. So lot. you're saying your dog is a little ornery. Yes, she's a little ornery. Not that surprising. <laughs> I know. Whereas my dog just wants people to love them. <laughs> just love me. I know. It'll be funny when they ever see each other. They will, because they'll be living next door to each other. Hey, announcement. We're going to be neighbors. It's true, which will like be super fun. Two feet away. Yeah. Like, I can literally, like, put stuff over my balcony onto your patio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be a blast. No more me sneaking men in late at night. That doesn't happen. <laughs> and I don't know why I'd be sneaking them in. <laughs> Sarah's going to really get in tune with my grandma vibes and how. You'll be asleep at like nine and I'll yeah. want to play. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. I go to bed not that late either, but. Nine to nine is my sleepy time. <laughs> <laughs> Which just totally makes sense. Um, I know. Well, I'm glad to hear you had a good week. I know you had uh, a lot going on with, um, you had actual in-person for your um, jewelry company stuff, mm -hmm. which is great. Yeah, a little event, uh, selling shit, trying to make that money. Uh, I got into grad school. I forgot about that. <laughs> Going to grad school, everybody. Modern art history. Wow. Just <laughs> I feel like people don't understand how artistic I am a lot of the time. I think they like, do. You talk about it a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I try not to be pretentious about it. You know, like all the other art people. Mm. Mm. Uh, I think it's awesome that you got into school. I'm really proud of you. Yeah. But Sarah, we did something yesterday. That we was did. fun. We did a lot yesterday. We had a um, our first live show with the Reverend Media Group. 
and it was so fun and um also awkward because we talked about my airstream and the weird item that was found inside the wall it was a dildo um, it was a dildo uh <laughs> why did we have to say it again now i'm red and um, that. that's gonna have to go in the uh not trigger warnings in the trauma activation warnings mm -hmm. <laughs> for folks. Um, yeah, it, it, last week I was actually up in, um, bend where my trailer is. And, uh, it was like, I had to drive 13 hours to get there. Then I had three days there is there and I drove 13 hours back. <laughs> so I'm exhausted because I worked it while I was up there, but, um, it was super fun to learn so much from, um, mountain they're called mountain modern mountain airstream is what they're called mm. yes and they are super famous which i didn't realize before so that was a little bit nerve-wracking having well super famous in the airstream world yeah yeah knock them down a pig don't be scared i mean the airstream <laughs> world though is pretty intense um so that was really cool uh learned a lot and um yeah. And then we had our event last night and that was, so I drove back, <laughs> then yeah. we had church in the morning and then we had, um, other things going on in the afternoon. And then we had our evening with the irreverent media group and it was so fun. Dirty rotted church kids were hilarious as always. Mm -hmm. Um, Brad, I mean, just such a great group. Yeah. Super Although fun. I really, it was really highlighted how, regionally Mexican I am last night because I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna be in front of people I have to I have to look nice and I was like in a pleather shirt in like with jewelry and blah blah, blah. and then I get there and I was like oh these guys are in t-shirts I really miss the memo here yeah <laughs> but I think that's like a little bit like it's not because I was dressed nice too right because for me you know, I think that it's just, it also highlights a little bit of like gender norms. Yeah. Sometimes like think about like all the pastors, you know, that are dudes, like mm. they'll wear jeans and a nice shirt. But if I were to show up to church in jeans. Oh yeah. I mean, I even it. our like super progressive community would be like, wait a minute. I know. Yeah. It was funny. I mean, I've, I'm really used to being the best dressed person in the room. Just kidding. <laughs> so if you're getting the memo, not pretentious at all. Just kidding. <laughs> It was just a funny experience. Be like, oh yes, uh huh, yeah. Boys are, boys are cash. All right, right. And those guys are especially cash. I mean, yeah. the dad jokes. The yeah. they're so great. Making uh, fun of Sarah's dildo for it's not mine. Minute. For the record, it is not mine. It was burnt, incinerated, thrown away. It doesn't it was. exist. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, never was mine. Yeah. For the record. Um, so yeah, that was really good. It's really exciting that um, that stuff's all moving forward. We're actually going to be interviewing almost all of them coming up. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, and that video should be up soon. We'll let you know. Yeah. We'll give you if a you link didn't catch to it. it. Yeah. Uh, other news. I think that's it. So we can, should we jump into our conversation? Yeah. With our friend, Jackie, our new friend, Jackie, who is all about finding home and making space for that journey for others as well. Yeah. So after lots of trauma, um, going through, um, an eating disorder, going through being a YouTube star, which cannot actually be that easy. Um, as she far was as young, yeah, super young. So, um, just sort of a person who's really had to make space for themselves and in that process of made space 
for mm -hmm. others. So without any further ado, here's our conversation with Jackie. At the end of writing that book, I would have said home is where uh, you're loved unconditionally, where you belong. I gave this whole picture, I think at the end of like me and my best friends, Amy Pape. Shout out to Amy Pape. Um, <laughs> she's the best. But I think now it's so, I mean, it's that, but I feel like I understand it so much deeper. So I would like call it the same thing. Like it is where you are, uh, I think it's Glenn and Doyle puts it both held and free. So you're like held mm -hmm. and loved for everything that you are, but you're also free to be and explore everything and everywhere you want to go. And you're like not going to get kicked, excuse me, not going to get kicked out because of it. Not going to get like, you're breaking these rules, you got to get out, so you're out. It's just you're here and you're welcome and you're safe and you also get to expand and explore and be as big as you want to be. Hi friends oh and gosh. welcome to the Making Spaces podcast. I'm uh, one of your co-hosts, Sarah, and this is Josie, the other co-host. And this is a podcast about making space for yourself, both literally and figuratively, and so, and for others as well. Today we have a very special guest who Josie is going to introduce. Yes, mom. Today we have <laughs> Jackie Gronlin with us. She is a writer, speaker, and what I would call like an embodiment advocate, right? I yeah. like that. Yeah. You want to, that's what I am. Sure. <laughs> I love She's it. Really good at branding. So, um, I don't like the brand no. mom that she came up with, but like for other people, she's really good at branding. Um, okay. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. And also like, you should just be warned. We've had a long day. So the two of us, this might be the funniest interview we've ever done, but Jackie, the question we always start with is what is one of your favorite spaces and why? Ah, Okay, I've thought on this one for a hot minute and I feel like my favorite space hasn't happened yet, but it is going to very soon. Ooh, it, tell it, us, tell us more. Okay, so basically me and my, my girlfriend Kaylee over there who is just cleaning up the back of my chair. I love it, I love um, it. Yes, yes, we're gonna renovate an RV and travel up the, the Pacific coast and then do some other traveling. She's a travel nurse, so we'll probably just go wherever that ends up but I feel like my favorite space is going to be the RV on a beach at like golden hour mm. there are two almost three dogs mm. almost three almost three one's still cooking she's not done oh. yet <laughs> got it got it um mm -hmm. Jackie I am restoring a 1973 Airstream currently <gasps> to be able to, um, one of the things about making spaces is to be able to have a podcast studio as well as a, like a little home to travel and to capture people's stories. But yeah, I get you. It's getting That's to move that thing. Yeah. It'll be great. It's not, Oh my God. it's not great right now. It's got a long and painful and a funny story that eventually we'll capture, but it, uh, actually was on the phone today with a, a company that restores them. So my, RV is actually all the way RV. My trailer is all the way up in Bend, Oregon. And so I go back and forth to work on it. Oh, wait, wait, where are you now? I am in Orange County, California. Oh, you're in California. Okay. And is Josie there too? Yep. Tustin. <gasps> Don't oh, stalk me. You go to Tustin all the time. Hey, hey, where are you located? Right now, Nashville. But yep. I got to get out of the South. So I'm headed over to San Diego in about a month. 
Ooh, probably praise. right in your neighborhood, kind of. You'll have to praise, come hang praise. out. We're going to be fully vaccinated yeah. at that point. She's fully vaccinated. I got one more coming. Um, oh, same. Nashville is it. great. That's actually an area that I've spent a lot of time in. Um, yeah. My brother lives about an hour and a half out. Okay. I've never been. I kind of, no offense to the South, I kind of avoid the South as a person of Mexican descent. I'm with you. I'm trying to get out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so trying to get out. You guys, I'm sure it's lovely. You know, if you're going to be inclusive, you're going to have to open yourself up to the potential of liking the South. I've gone. I've gone. I've gone to Texas. I've been to Virginia. I'm going. It's just a slow burn for me. Okay. Yeah, I know. And I feel like I want to go with you, but that's like kind of like when you're visiting someone's like crazy aunt, because then the friend can explain like, they don't really mean that. That's kind of what I feel like with the South. Like I can talk shit on it because I lived there for so long, but I feel like other people, I get like, what the? But Josie, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to make you mad. I don't love LA. I was there yesterday dropping off a, she's from LA, loves LA, will murder you if you talk bad about LA. I I grew- Well, it depends on which side of LA. I'm definitely more of the- The west side? East, south type bitch. Yeah. Wait, where? Where I lived in LA for a little bit. Where were you? I grew up in Southgate. Okay. I don't know if you know know where that that is. is. That's near Compton. I know That's where most is. people know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I was in Inglewood oh, yesterday and it was trying to find parking. It was fighting for, every, I just, it's just not my, it's not my thing. Everything's gray. Everything's brown. Just not my thing. Probably I'm just not a pain, person. man. Yeah, it's fair. great. Very yeah, fair. that's really what it is. Now that we've decided that, um, Jackie, it was so cool to check out your book and to hear a little bit of your story and hear how you're learning how to connect to your body. And actually, you had one of my best friends. So fun. Kevin on your podcast is really fun to listen to them speak. So that was cool. So you want to talk a little bit about your journey as far as how that's been kind of making space for yourself, but also sort of opening the door for other people. Because you have like a lot of followers of people who are trying to, in some ways, I think do the same thing. So you want to share a little bit about mm-hmm. what you're in the what you're in the midst of? Yeah, absolutely. You kind of just mean like the development of my podcast? Or- yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking okay. and what you share about, because it's all about, like Josie said, getting into your body and getting to love her and know her. Yeah, for sure. Oh my God. It's been a long time since I've been interviewed. I'm like interviewing people every week. I'm like, okay, I'm answering the question now. Um, yeah. So the podcast basically, well, I guess to go back a little bit, I was in treatment last year for an eating disorder and I was there for about four to five-ish months. And a question that they kept asking us to talk about was, Uh, what is your relationship like with your body? And so we had to like write these letters back and forth from us to our body, from our body back to us. And it was so trippy because it felt so separate and it felt so distant. And every piece of work that we were doing in treatment felt like it kept coming back to the same thing, which was, oh, my body knows. Oh, what does my body need? Oh, I've been like totally rejecting my body or shaming my body. And it was all about that relationship. And so uh, when I was getting out of treatment, I knew I wanted to make a podcast. I've known I wanted to do a podcast for a long time because uh, I used to have a YouTube channel called Coffee Chats with Jax. Good oh, stop times. it. Um, oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cute. Oh my God, it's so cute. Um, those were, I did that for like seven years. I don't even know. I was a young and I was like 17. Wow. I don't wow. know. It was a whole thing, but that I wanted I to move YouTube that into- I YouTube existed when I was 17, guys. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> it was there. Um, uh, so I wanted to turn that into a podcast because I knew that the conversations I was having there, because that was kind of a platform I used to 
talk a lot about my mental health, a lot about faith stuff, sexuality stuff, uh, relationship stuff. It was kind of like just a weekly brain dump almost. And it turned into something where I wanted to talk about much bigger topics. Uh, like I got really into talking about rape culture and diet culture mm. and just all sorts of stuff, especially like the more I discovered about myself, like the more I kind of went to therapy and did work, uh, the more I realized the depth I wanted to get to with my videos. And I couldn't get that with like a five minute video. So I'm like, I want to do a podcast and talk to other people because other people have more insight than just I'll ever have. And so I wanted to do a podcast called the unity project, but I did not know it was going to be about my relationship with my body till in treatment. And then mm. I was like, that makes sense. That's what this is going to be about. Cause it became like my favorite conversation to have. So yeah, like a month late, a month later ish is when I, um, started working on my first episode it was nuts and you're connecting I love it and by unity it's really connecting our entire selves to our body to our mind it's it's an interesting we've had three interviews lately that have gone to this place where people when they talk about space what they realize is um so much of it includes how do I get in touch with the the thing with which I indwell in space, which is my body, right? So if I'm in a um, adversarial relationship with my own body, it's really difficult for me to make space for other people because I can't be in my body and I don't know how I feel about you being in your body. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then I'm gonna make you know decisions or whatever based on that. And so it's been interesting. We've had three now conversations about this idea of really making, I don't even wanna say making peace, making friendship. Or um, is that where the title unity, is that what the, is that what that is for you within this space of embodiment? Yeah, I think like, honestly, one of the most impactful interviews I've had was with uh, this lady named Hillary McBride. She's a She's therapist. my friend. <laughs> yeah, she's great. She's your friend? Yeah. Oh, she's so cool. Um, but she talked a lot about how like, like the question that I start out with always is to describe the relationship that you have with your body. And every single time people will talk about just they'll talk about the relationship with it but her answer was very much so like well I am my body like we mm -hmm. are one like this is how it was but now we're like this one being because you're so integrated and I've realized that that's really like unity with yourself is everything and so like originally my idea for like the unity project was going to be more of like which is also really important but it's just not my thing to talk about right now is like world unity and like cultures and all that which we end up talking about anyway but I realized that like before you can get there you really gotta get just inside of your own skin yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's the it's the um secret sauce that we don't often talk about um I think there's this sense that there is this movement happening it's really interesting we always and you'll get we'll get to there with you eventually we ask people to like give one tangible way that you can make space and one of our um interviewees is the one who started this body conversation because she said mm. you can make space by being okay with basically me being a fat person and we had for for me i'm also someone who um had an eating disorder and have disordered body lots of fun fun things um mm. I have been so afraid of that word. I've been afraid to use that word with other people. I've been afraid um, to allow that uh, someone else to own that word. And, and it was a beautiful moment of us just going, oh, wait a minute. Like her using that word is a really important part of her 
kind of her integrating her total story. And if I wanted to make space for her, I was going to have to be okay with where they're at, but it requires you kind of getting into your own skin. And you're right. It hits every, you know, everything is spiritual. Everything is connected. Everything, you know, if I hate my body, then I, you know, the way that I live and exist in this world is really um, disjointed and, and full of strife. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Cause it just, it, it bleeds into everything. Like talking about eating disorders opens the door to so many things regarding like your body self relationship, because if you're not connected, then it's really easy to just not eat or to just uh, make yourself like run until you basically pass out. It's just, it becomes so easy to be disconnected with an eating disorder that almost like being disconnected becomes like the goal. Mm-hmm. And so when I started to realize that like looking at my body and like the relationship with her of what ideally I'd want it to look like and seeing how far away I was, was just like, Oh my God, (laughs) that's a lot of work to do. And like, you can look at it through that, or you can look at it like through addiction or through uh, sexuality, anything that like, I don't know. There's just so many things, so many things. Right. It's a separation. It's interesting. Uh, Hillary was, I had a podcast that was just a year long project and Hillary um, was one of my first guests, right? She was like, I want to be on your podcast, which I thought was great because she was one of the first people um, I had experienced a uh, superior, one of our upper ups in the church. So I'm a pastor and I had experienced a pastor saying to me, and I, I mentioned this before on this podcast, but that my body was uh, dangerous and that no man, no woman would trust me with their husband or boyfriend. And so when you are someone who is a recovering person who already doesn't love your body to hear that, it's like, oh yeah, I, oh, oh yeah, no, I, I, I like what you're saying right now. I can get behind that. Yeah. She is dangerous. She's awful. Like I already don't like her. So go ahead. And I remember it was Hillary who really, I hadn't talked about it publicly at all she knew that story. And about a year later came on my podcast and we were sort of processing that. And she was the one who pointed out, like, until we help other people, um, really learn to embody, to be in their bodies and to be okay with their bodies, then we're just a bunch of people walking around with shame who are going to shame other people. So it's Mm -hmm. great to hear you bringing people on and asking them the first thing they, I wonder how many of them, that's not a question they've asked, right? Like, what's my relationship to my body? Uh, I'm in it, you know? Uh, (laughs) It's there, it exists. (laughs) But I love Hillary's answer, I am it. It is, we are, and it's not a it, it's a she. That was the language too. I remember uh, if I talk about my body around Hillary, she always corrects me, she. Like, oh, right, there is a pronoun around her. Great. Yeah, oh yeah. Now, yeah, that is really, really, it's incredible to hear people's answers because after we talk through that, we talk through like, okay, tell me about a time when you were the most disconnected from your body. And then we talk about what that felt like. And I'm really big into talking. Uh, my therapist uses the term like strategies. So like an eating disorder, she would say would be like a strategy to survive or mm. addictions, like a strategy. Um, and so we talked through a lot of like that, which was like, how did you manage to stay disconnected from your body to survive whatever trauma or whatever this you're going through? And it's so fun to hear the journey going from there to like where the like the healing and the unity comes towards at the end and it's so special because it's also just like a never-ending journey and 
Oh, it just blows me away. I cried actually at the end of the last interview I did. I was like, oh my gosh, that hits on so many things. But yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how even growing, I grew up in the church and I grew up in a the Hispanic Pentecostal church, as our listeners know. I like to make fun of it. Um, but just the, it was funny how embodiment and bodies were seen in such a different light. Um like you could dance as long as it's in the aisles, but God forbid you dance to any other music outside of religious music or in any other space outside of a religious space. Um, so like my dad the other day made a joke because I was wearing like a flouncy fun shirt. He's like, wow, are you going to go teach salsa? And I was like, no, dad, remember, I'm not allowed to dance. I never learned how to dance. Oh boy. <laughs> and I mean, we make fun of it now and he still believes the same things. It's, my daddy dearest and I have a complicated relationship. Yeah. Um, but just that notion that religion can play a huge part in how you process things through your body or trauma. I had a really traumatic childhood. So now I struggle with disassociation in like in life. I can walk through a Joanne's and not be there. Mm. Like mentally, my body is just going and my brain is just not there. Um, which is scary and I am somebody with very high self-esteem so I would think you would think that that wouldn't be like an issue the whole disassociating from your body if you love it but it totally is because people traumatize you into doing that and just this like the embodiment journey can be very different for very different people and that you could love your body but still not be in it and yeah, I loved, we read your book. Thanks for sending it to us. <laughs> reading it. It's so kind yeah. of you guys. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about the process of writing your book. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so the book you guys read was my last one. I published it a couple of years ago. I'm actually at the near end of writing my third book, which is called The Unity Project. It kind of goes along with my podcast. Um, mm. But the first, so Finding Home, that was... Oh my gosh, that was a journey. So basically, I guess if you've read, uh, if you've read it, then you'll know a bit of like the Boston story, which is basically, I realized that I had spent so much of my life like running away from, at the time, I didn't know what, like running away from pain, running away from trauma, running away from like broken relationships. And to do that, uh, it was helpful for me to move across the country, like over and over and over again, like Colorado to LA, to Nashville, to Boston, to LA, to Nashville. It was just it kept going. And so I hit this point when it was probably the most spontaneous move I had made, which was I got offered a job to work in Boston. If I moved there, I think I had like three days, a three day notice at the end of a a tour. And I said, yes. And I ended up getting there and falling into like probably the worst depression of my life. And that is when I came to terms for the first time with my eating disorder. And when I started like coming to terms with uh, so many things, so many things. And so the book, I actually started writing the book when I was in Boston, which is interesting because, oh, it's such a long story, but I wrote it at the beginning of my time in Boston when I was still trying to paint this picture that everything was okay and that things were good and my move is exciting. So the first draft of the book is so much about like the pretty cobblestone roads and the brick buildings. And then all of a sudden, uh, spoiler alert, my best friend, the one who asked me to move to Boston to work for her, uh, her parents ended up making me leave Boston because I opened up about depression and my eating disorder. 
And so after that happened, that was kind of just like this rug got ripped out from under my feet and I was literally paid to leave the city. Like it's a whole story. And so after leaving the city, uh, I ended up back in LA and that's when I started like, I realized I had a decision to make. I was like, okay, I have this draft finding home that I'm working on and I felt so angry about it and I was going to throw it away. I was like, I either have that option or I can try to tell the truth. And so I decided to start over again. And I realized that the story I was writing was so much different than the first one. And it was just really honest about different places I've looked for home, different places I've looked for belonging, basically. And so I looked to uh, my sister to find belonging because she was like my metric system of what was okay or not. And I looked to uh, body image stuff, which was like eating disorder stuff for career or um, uh, so many different avenues. And then I'm trying to remember how the book went. So the, at the first half of the book, <laughs> I would write those out. And then I would mirror that with different stories from Boston that kind of showed the same theme. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of writing the book, I realized I was like, oh, this is a whole journey of just me coming back to myself. It's like, you can move wherever you want in the country and try in all these different ways. But if you don't feel at home inside of your own body, you're just, you're never going to get there. You're going to have mm -hmm. to keep moving and keep running in some kind of way. And it was like a giant therapy session writing that book. Oh my gosh. It's so it interesting, this idea of home and where is home. So for actually all three of us, we've moved pretty significantly in our lives. And I think there is a false narrative out there that somewhere is going to feel like home. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we have this idea that... Um, you know, once I find that home, there's a movie called The Way We Go where they're trying to find where their home is going to be. And then they kind of have this realization that like, I'm in my home all the time, which means I can take my home with me. Um, we're much more turtles than we think, right? Like we carry this thing with us, but I think we are um, so compelled to believe that we something's wrong all the time and there's something wrong in, in this home. And especially if we've been getting all these different narratives that tell us who we are and what we are and what our body means. And, and everybody gets that right from commercials or whatever it might be. And I think, um, it's so beautiful for you to say, like, I went through all this stuff and then I realized I already was home. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think of that, uh, what is it? The magnetic, I can't remember the name of the band, but they have that song home is where I'm ever I'm with you. And I oh, think, yes, I love that song so much. Um, but I think it, that reality is, is like home is everywhere we go because home is within us um, mm. and learning. How do how would you define this idea of home now if you were to, you know, integrate who you were then into who you are now when you think about home? Yeah, that's a good question, which I have not thought about in a long time. It's so interesting because that was like my question for everything when I was writing that book. And now it's so much time has passed. I feel like, Hmm. I don't know. So, so I've been doing a lot of work in therapy regarding like family stuff mm -hmm. and kind of like what home looked like growing up and kind of what, because um, a big thing that I've been learning is like when you're a kid, you're not looking for what belonging is or looking for what love is, but you're told what it is by your mm -hmm. parents or whoever your caregivers are. And so I've kind of like recently been pulling that apart and I'm in this incredible relationship with Kaylee over there. And so that's kind of been redefining what home is supposed to look like. 
versus Mm -hmm. what I was taught that it was. And I think that that has added a lot to my, um, a lot to my definition. Cause at first I would have said, or at the end of writing that book, I would have said home is where, uh, you're loved unconditionally where you belong. I gave this whole picture. I think at the end of like me and my best friend, Amy Pape, shout out to Amy Pape. Um, (laughs) she's the best, but I think now it's so, I mean, it's that, but I feel like I understand it so much deeper. So I would like call it the same thing. Like it is where you are. Uh, I think it, Glenn and Doyle puts it both held and free. So you're like held mm-hmm. and loved for everything that you are, but you're also free to be and explore everything and everywhere you want to go. And you're like, not going to get, excuse me, not going to get kicked out because of it. Not going to get like, you're breaking these rules. You got to get out. So you're out. It's just, you're here and you're welcome and you're safe. And you also get to expand and explore and be as big as you want to be. And if we give give that to ourselves, (laughs) that what, I mean, what is that? Then we're not looking for anyone. You know, I think the, I think the false narrative, a lot of us got was like, um, someone, another human can complete us. Right. So what does that suggest? Mm -hmm. That suggests that a big part of us is missing that. What if I just get that perfect for me? It was like, if I am just that size, oh, I'm just that size. That's when I'm going to feel at home in this body because I won't hate her so much. Or if I get that job that gives me purpose and meaning that I'm going to feel at home, I'm going to feel if I can find that house, that perfect house, that house that is going to be home. And we spend so long searching for the thing that was always within us. And mm-hmm. I think there's something that happens uh, to all of us when we realize that. And, and every day it's a struggle. Today was like a crazy day where I had to literally sit down and go, you are fine and everything is fine. But you have this like mm-hmm. sense of like, everything's not fine. And it's, <laughs> it's those moments when we come home to ourselves and go, is everything not fine? Maybe it is okay. How can mm-hmm. I sit with her and what would it look like to be kind to her? What would it look like to, you know, to be this person that is okay with, okay, well, my home's a little disordered right now, but here it is, you know, uh, it's contentment mm-hmm. is almost what I hear in your, in you explaining it. And even in your writing in the second half of your book, is there like learning to come to a place of contentment um, and mm-hmm. striving is kind of let go of a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's just as easy as buying a, a new pair of jeans that fit the way you want them to fit. <laughs> you know, that's, that's also true. That and some new jeans. That yeah. is how I define it. Oh. Um, a good pair of jeans. Josie, actually, good pair of jeans. we were talking uh, earlier today about even things from like bathing suit buying to all these things that put us into places and spaces where we're looking at things in and through the light of other people's lenses. And so getting really aggressively comfortable with our own lens and our own body and our own, it's such a neat journey. What have you found as you've been interviewing people? Um, are a lot of them finding this connection between mind and body? Are you mostly talking to people who already have this narrative? Like I, Kevin and um, uh, Hillary are two people who already have this connection to their, to their yeah. body. In fact, Kevin, so Kevin and I talk every day. That's how we start our day. Um, and normally Kevin That's will amazing. say, yeah, normally Kevin will say to me, I'll, I'll say, a, I'll say a, um, emotion or whatever. And Kevin will say, well, what does that feel like? Where do you feel that? And I'm like, don't do, I don't want to get That's in such her. a therapist question. I know, um, but it is really helpful, right? <laughs> so Kevin. when you're interviewing oh, people, yeah. are you interviewing people who are particularly gifted in this embodiment or are you kind of across the spectrum? 
Uh, it's definitely across the spectrum because I feel like, I don't know. I mean, everybody has some kind, anyone who would be interested in this, I guess, in talking about this would have some kind of like history of, I guess, being aware of your body if you're being open to talk about this. So it's like, I'm trying to think how to even explain it. Like, like I have interviewed people who I would consider like experts on the body, like you're saying, like Hillary and Kevin, uh, and that's incredible. And then there's people who have a lot of stories of like some kind of addiction or some kind of uh, eating disorder or some kind of um, just any kind of trauma that has caused them to disconnect. Like, I think there's just so much beauty in all of those stories about what that looks like and the coming back. And mm -hmm. so I, I think like one of the biggest things that I've noticed and that I think I want to push for people to, to hear is that everybody's in process and everybody's mm -hmm. relationship with their body looks different. And just because it, you might feel really connected today, tomorrow you might not. And that doesn't mean you failed. That just means you're like, you're just a human being. And mm -hmm. so I don't know. I think it's important to talk to everybody, like every type of person, because all the stories, we can learn from all the stories. Yeah. 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 I love it. Knowing what other people's processes are and realize I, I always like to say that I don't get starstruck because we're all going to fucking die. Um, <laughs> that literally so, is something that she says on the regular. That's <laughs> true and so sad, but so true. <laughs> yeah. And like hearing all these people that's like some people love Kevin, right? Kevin is, has meant a lot to a lot of people. So them hearing that they also go through this journey of, you know, losing touch with their body is important mm -hmm. because, I mean, the average Joe would be like, oh, of course they, they probably don't. They don't deal with that. They don't, they love their body. They're so in tune. They never disconnect. But hearing that, no, sometimes I have a fucking bad day and I'm going to disconnect. Mm -hmm. How impactful could that, that, that's everything to somebody, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's amazing. Absolutely. And like, even just allowing yourself to recognize when you do need to disconnect, like, cause we can't be fully present 24 seven. That's just not realistic. And if we like hope to be that way, or I think someone like Kevin is that way is to just, it's honestly just to kind of set us up for failure for burnout. Cause we need mm -hmm. a second to let ourselves check out at the end of the day, whether that is reading a book or watching a funny movie or uh, playing sports, which is my new favorite random way to disconnect is throwing a football. But it's like choosing those kind of methods versus choosing like, oh, I'll just go get really drunk and disconnect that way without even knowing I need to disconnect. Mm -hmm. But like, it's doing the same thing, but in a very aware mindset and a non-harmful mindset. And so I think it's, it's helpful to be able to recognize that's just something that your body needs some time too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. How do mm -hmm. I, uh, what is this like at? Uh, what is this feeling inside of me? Um, how maybe I can't label it. So like for me, running is the thing that I do when I'm in that place. Like I have to just go run. Mm -hmm. um, dancing used to be uh, Chris Rodriguez, one of our uh, mutual friends, him and I talk a lot about this, but I 
dancing for me used to be because it takes so much of my mind to learn choreography and more and more guys, when you get to my age, there will be this thing where all of a sudden you can't remember the thing you just heard. Um, I'm going to say it's age and not that I had COVID earlier. Um, but <laughs> like learning choreography means that I cannot be paying attention to anything else. Like I'm in that space. And the, and when I, when I'm learning that, but it's not just, you know, I'm a very intellectual human. And so sometimes I can get in my head space in, in really not healthy ways where just I'm mulling over the same thing, thinking maybe if I think about this 18 times, it's, I'm going to fix it. But when you're learning choreography, when you're moving in your body and all you're doing is connecting to your body and what you're learning in that moment, there is something incredible that happens. It's like, it all kind of comes together. And oftentimes I'll leave that going, oh, now I have an answer to that thing that I thought I could just mull over mm -hmm. that I could just produce and do. And I think football is another example. Like if I don't pay attention to what's happening, it's going to hit me in the face, right? I have to pay attention to it or even like learning a new thing. Like at, Josie's been queen of like, I'm going to pick up 17 hobbies during uh, quarantine, which by the way, she was already busy before. Um, <laughs> But I think that it, it's it. a it's an embodiment, right? Like it's learning a new thing is is not just your brain; it's also your body, right? Mm -hmm. And ableism, like even that. in this, like some people, it, it, it's not that they can go out and get physical; they're going to have to do something else to to be in that space of of unity, as you call it, this connection of mind and body, and and I think spirit too comes in there a little bit. Do you talk much about mm -hmm. that um, sort of connection with all of that? Yeah, actually, that was like a really big part of treatment, actually, is we had, uh, I think, like once every couple of days, we had this group, I forgot what it was called. But it was, oh, we just called it mindful movement group type thing. And so they were very big on the like, like, that was something I had to just pull apart and deconstruct was my relationship with movement, because I'm also a runner. And that was like something that I, like, I love, but I struggled with a lot, because like, moving, I had to like be so careful because I realized that moving can go from connecting with myself to totally disconnecting and mm -hmm. trying to manipulate myself into something. Right. And so yeah. Tr tr yeah, treatment was uh, really helpful with that because we would do these mindful movement things where we would like play this game called like all my neighbors, which is just one of those like basically like never have I ever type games or like we would play football or frisbee or things that were movement and we had to pay attention, but we weren't like kicking our asses in the gym or something. Mm -hmm. Right. It was so helpful. And so I do, I do talk a little bit about that on my podcast. A lot of people that I've talked to are really into yoga, mm. which mm -hmm. I love yoga. Oh my gosh. I'm such a wannabe yogi. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's just really special because it 100% is this moment of like, I need to be aware of what I'm doing in this moment, in this like position or whatever you're doing. But it takes away that mindset of like, oh, how many calories am I burning? Or like, mm -hmm. how many miles did I just run? What's my fastest record type of thing? Like, and that could be really life giving for people too. It all just depends on what your motivation for it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's your purpose of being? What's that? your metric? Like, are you, um, my, my dear friend and I talk, we're both, um, we were both runners in high school. Um, and 
we talk about how in the last couple of years, we've learned to integrate things that aren't working against our body. So both of us were lifters too, for a while, like, right. That competitive mindset. Uh, I played soccer in high school. So I just have that, like, I got it exactly what you're talking about. Can I dominate my body? Which is just another form guys of like trying to disconnect, like, right. Mm -hmm. And her and I talked about how we've really started integrating some practices of health that get us in our body and aren't working against our body. So doing yoga or, you know, Pilates or bar or all this stuff that like, I had a little more practice in it just because I had danced for so long, but to see it as not working against, like no offense to people who do CrossFit. That's great. That's your thing, but it's so, um, against the body. Um, and it's Mm -hmm. so like, how can I dominate this body that it feels like it, it's a, it's another way to disconnect a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. it's a separation. It's like taking yeah. it apart and staring at your own self. That is one yeah. hobby I did not pick up in quarantine. I am <laughs> not a worker outer. No, thank you. Go you, Josie. <laughs> Go you. Yeah. I mean, it's a hobby, right? Like it's you gotta, you gotta like it. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> and it's a hobby to not work out. I'm like, yes, it's a good hobby. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Yes, I feel good about it. Oh my gosh. Jackie, thank yeah. you so much for all the work that you're doing. I know we could talk forever, um, but I would love to hear if you can think of like one tangible way that to starting today, someone who is coming into this um, episode and they're thinking like, oh man, I want to connect to my myself. I want to make space for myself or someone else. What would be like one tangible thing you can think of? Uh, asking questions without any sort of judgment. Mm. I think that one of the best things you could do to kind of create space for someone to feel like they matter and someone to feel cared about and someone to feel like, I don't know, like someone wants to hear what they have to say is to ask questions that are like, like questions like about them, like intentional. Mm -hmm. And then, but don't ask them in a way where it's like, just like, fully non-judgmental like I'm just interested in getting to know you and that is an incredible way I found to make space because I always feel like when people are like that with me that gives me all the space in the world to just Mm -hmm. explore and to be me and then if you're asking questions like or if you treat yourself in that kind of way I guess like if you're like I'm a huge journaler oh my goodness every single day for the past I don't know, so many years. Um, <laughs> that's like my first thing I do in the morning is to just really get in touch with like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And just no judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. I love it. Great questions. Um, Jackie, where can folks find you? Um, YouTube it do, is Coffee with Jax. Is that still a thing? Oh, uh, not really. I mean, <laughs> you can go watch a bunch of old videos if you want. You can watch my hair transformed from blonde to brown to black. You can just tell us where people can find you. I was really just kidding. I would love to know where you're, what you're excited to share about now, where people can find you, what, what's something that they can check out your work through. Yeah, most of my stuff is through Instagram. If you want to follow me, it's JackieG.TV. Or if you want to listen to my podcast, it's just search The Unity Project on any podcast platform. Um, Instagram's probably going to be the best place. If you want to get my book, there's a link to do it through there. Uh, yeah. So probably the podcast and Instagram. Thank Perfect. you so much. We love it. Yeah. We do love it. Thank you. Josie, where can folks Thanks, find Jackie. us? I know what you're going to say. You can find say, us. Go ahead. <laughs> she tells me what to do. And then what am I supposed to think? I don't mean to anyway. tell you what to do. I'm like, 
suggesting you can do your own thing keep going sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> you can find us on making spaces podcast.com for all the things but you can also follow us on making spaces podcast on instagram uh you can email us at making spaces podcast at gmail.com um and yeah you can find us wherever irreverent media group is as well it's a new thing we love it we're it's all exciting. there check it's out our good. homies too they're great dirty rotten church kids we got mason we got kevin we got white friends homework i mean there's all kinds of great stuff going on there <laughs> you'll hear more and more That's about awesome. it but we're really glad that we had jackie today and uh we'll yes. see you next week where we will be Thank saving you so a space much. for you bye oh, you're so welcome thanks jackie This has been an irreverent media podcast.